Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. If this is your first time here, you say, what's this all about? Well, we're declaring what we're going to receive today, getting our minds focused on Jesus and his word. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I began a series uh, last week entitled Believe for More in 24. And uh, when I thought about it and, and just kind of began to think through how you might respond and what I could do to bring enough information to help you believe that God has more than what there is, because in our natural minds, we feel this sense of unworthiness. I don't deserve more. Or we say these words, I have enough. And, and that's all good and fine. But oftentimes we're saying those things to adjust or adapt to where we are instead of pressing to where we could be. And uh, especially in our religious thinking. And that we're not worthy enough to have more than what we have. And uh, it makes me sad because I grew up understanding that mentality, be thankful for what you have. I agree with that. But the Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And the other part of that is, you know, he said that we're going from glory to glory. In other words, we're constantly growing in God, or we should be growing in God and moving in God. And, and really, uh, how we live our lives is a reflection of what we believe. So if you're really happy uh, that you're saved and your life is a reflection of that, it will help other people, not just you. And so when we get to a place where we start apologizing for blessing, that lets you know that we're probably religious because uh, God said himself, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life, choose blessing. And that God wants us to be blessed. And I'm glad that some of you are excited about that. Um, because this kind of message this time of year is often very difficult. People go to church and they're going to get some little Christmas sermon. And there's nothing wrong with those. And, and I'm not opposed to those. But the very reason that the Son of God was sent to this earth is what I'm talking about. When we celebrate Christ, we see he's the gift that just keeps on giving. But you have a gift to give back to him. And, and we all have giftings, if you will, and we are gifted by him. And you have something in you that God puts you here for a purpose. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we have gifts that God wants from us and that that's what we need to focus on is God what do you want me to do with the life that you've gifted to me now I have this bizarre way of thinking that when I first got saved what can I give God that he doesn't already have 
No, it's not what we give God that he doesn't already have. It's what we give God that we need to get rid of. The greatest gift that anybody will give God this holiday season is the gift of your sin. Sin's not a gift. You're right, but to God it is because he paid the price for it. He bought your sin. He's saying, I already paid for it. I want you to give it to me. But many people hold on to their sin because they don't feel like they deserve salvation. They don't behave right. And they're measuring their life and their behavior according to what they've been taught, which some of it's biblical, much of it's not. I mean, it may have a biblical foundation, but it doesn't have a scripture and verse. And so what we often do is live our lives the way we were told to live them. Uh, church culture is probably more critical than church vision. In other words, what's the culture of, of our lives? So you have an inner city culture. You have a country culture. Uh, there are so many different cultures. You have a redneck culture. I can say that in Oklahoma. <laughs> So we have all these different cultures that, you know, a cowboy culture right now. Susan and I love the NFR going on in Las Vegas. We love all the bull riding and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, she says, I gave up all my horses for you. I said, that makes me more important than horses. So when we got married, she had about five. And, and now I, she said, I'll trade those for other horsepower. I said, we'll do that. And, uh, but, we, but we love all of that. So it's a cowboy culture. And uh, we both grew up in that culture in the country riding horses and right outside my window were cows and all of this stuff and it was just a fun life but you know what there are people in new york city who've never seen a cow they've eaten them at mcdonald's but they've never seen a cow and so everybody's raised in this culture and then you have to sometimes you're raised in a cult raised in a culture that doesn't fit you in other words, some people were raised in a culture without God, without going to church, and they knew they were missing something. And somebody invited them to church, and it changed their life, and now they have a church culture, a God culture. And, and that we have to find that and identify that in order to live the life that we want to live. And so I would encourage as we, today I'm going to talk about closing that gap between less and more. And that gap is oftentimes, it fluctuates based on our faith, our season in life, what's happening to us, what's happening around us. And, and the devil loves to actually broaden, widen that gap between the God of more than enough and a life that's just enough. And some people think just enough is enough. But if I said, you know what? You can have more love. There's nobody saying, no, I can't take any more love. No. You can have more peace. No, I can't have more peace. I, I'm, I'm overloaded, overdosed on peace right now. I've never heard anybody turn that down. And, and so we have, but we have this mentality that says, I don't deserve certain things. I'm unworthy. And last week I talked about the prodigal son who had everything. And, and, and he walked away, and of course the father in that story is, is symbolic of God, and, and he's humanity, and, and he leaves with all the inheritance, and he finally finds himself in a pig pen. And the Bible says when he came to his senses, he said, even my father's servants eat better than this. In other words, he realized he had traded more for less, and that he had to make an adjustment now your tongue and your mouth your tongue is the needle that of your compass the compass of your life you will follow the words of your life more than you think you will 
that life and death is right here in, the, in your mouth, the power of the tongue, what we say, and that we have to be careful with our words. We have to be very careful because you will oftentimes believe what you say. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, how do you think doubt comes? Doubt comes by hearing and hearing the words of fallen humanity. So what you say will make a difference in what you do. There's a story of a man in Illinois. He left the snow-filled streets of Chicago for a nice vacation in Miami, Florida. His wife, who was on a business trip at the time, was also planning to meet him there the next day for a steak dinner at a five-star restaurant. When he reached his hotel, he decided to send his wife a quick email telling her about his arrival and how he can't wait to see her. Unfortunately, when typing her email address, he didn't realize that he had missed one letter in her address. And his note was directed instead to an elderly preacher's wife whose husband had just passed away only the day before. When the grieving widow checked her email, she took one look at the screen, let out a piercing scream, and fell to the floor in a dead faint. At the sound, her family rushed into the room and saw this note on the screen of her iPad. Dearest wife, just checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. P.S. Sure is hot down here. One letter. One letter changed everything. You see, one word can change the trajectory of your life. When you find yourself getting angry, when you find yourself getting frustrated, when you find yourself in a situation that is uncomfortable or you're angry with someone, we have to be very careful and selective with the words that we use. Because if I don't like you and I don't like something about you and I talk about it, my focus gets off of God, who is more, and gets on you, who is less. And so I have to be sure that there, I gauge my conversation and my words so that I don't distance myself from God. You know, one of the greatest challenges in the local church is not people who smoke, drink, cuss, and chew. It's people who gossip. We'll let that marinate. You will do more harm to yourself and you will do more harm to others when you talk disparagingly about God's children. You say, well, they're not even born again. Even more critical that you not talk about them. You see, the world's afraid of the church because the church has a reputation of coming in, lifting holy hands, and going out living an unholy life with our mouth. Telling people how they ought to live and what they ought to do and, how they, and we're not even doing it. People will be more moved by your flaws than your successes. People are intimidated when they hear how well you're doing and how great. Now, it doesn't mean we don't share our victories and things like that. But when people know that you too are flawed, see, the, the world system actually looks at the local church and they either think we're perfect or that we think we think we're perfect. And the reality is, in order to close the gap between the world's less and God's more, we have to be the bridge between the two. Which means we, our number one job is to love people. Not to correct people, not even to direct people, but to love people. 
I try to have a policy in my life. If someone doesn't ask for my opinion, I try not to give it. If you ever people listening on conversation and then somebody around says, my opinion, hold it. Nobody asked for your opinion. See, see, when you start giving an opinion that is not solicited, that's less than, not more than. You're going in the opposite direction of where you need to go. But you say, I know how to fix it. No, you don't. You think you know how to fix it. Number one, you can't fix what somebody else is broken. Now, if they want to know how you fixed your problem, then they'll ask you, and you say, I can't say this will work for you, but it worked for me. So now I'm closing the gap and saying, I just want you to know I love you no matter what. And that's hard for people to be loved when they don't even love themselves. When you try to love someone who hates who they are, it's a repellent and it's rejected, not because they want to reject it, but because they've never felt what real love is. Now, I would love to say, everybody says, you know, well, we need to love unconditionally. I really don't think unconditional love is possible through humanity because God is the only one who can love unconditionally. Now, we want to love unconditionally, but the fact is, everything about our humanity comes with conditions. Now, maybe it shouldn't, and I know that comes with boundaries, but the reality is that my job is to love. Now, I'm in a job, in a position, where criticism is always unsolicited, but always happens. You know, too long, sermon's too long, I don't like what he said. You can't have this job if all you're doing is listening to the less than. I'm always listening to God the more than. Now, every now and then, I go my own way and do my own thing. That will happen in the next 20 minutes. I can promise you not everything I say, God's going to go, oh, my. He'll look at Jesus and go, I thought you took care of that. <laughs> then I look at Jesse and shake his head and go, oh, you ain't God. <laughs> But so much of life is lost because we're filtering things through other people's ideas, other people's opinions, the way other people dress, the way other people talk, the way other people act. The reality is that my job as a pastor is not to fix you. It's to give you information that you can choose to use or not use from the Bible, ideas and thoughts from the Bible. I can't fix you. I can't change you. I don't even want to because you may be exactly who God wants you to be, and I just don't like it. So guess whose problem that is? That's not your problem. That's my problem. So I need to learn to like you. You may be, you may be a person that I, I, I'm opposed to. I had a professor in college and that I found out that he would read every thesis, and the only way you could graduate was you had to go, he was the last one that read your thesis, and at the end of it, if you didn't like it, you would fail. I didn't like him. I'm a theology student, by the way. I'm not an engineer or attorney. I'm a theology student. I'm supposed to love everybody because I'm a preacher. Can I tell you all something? Preachers just really don't like everybody that easily. Some of them act like it. I like all of you right now because we're not having a conversation. You're pushing anything back on me. But I like you. 
But if you were to say something, I would have a, a struggle. So I had this professor in about my second year, and I was struggling. I was having a hard time. There were uh, classes that were difficult. And, and I kept looking two years, three years down the road when I was going to graduate, and I thought, i got to go through him, and I don't like him. There wasn't anything about him I liked. He looked like an Oompa Loompa. He never smiled. He, was, he, was, he, he just seemed like he was mad at the world. And I thought, you know, in my early years, I thought, I'll, I'll get through this. I'll take care of it. And God kept dealing with me. And it was like God saying, I made him that way because I want you to be better and I want you to have more. In order to have more, you got to learn how to deal with that. And so rather than becoming my obstacle, he became the one who was strengthened. So, so finally, he, I come to find out, he, was, he, he lived in Tulsa where I was going to school there. And he, for some reason, I guess just wanted to build his house. So he's building his house. And God really spoke to my heart and said, I want you to take a Saturday and I want you to go help him. I thought, God, I don't like him. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't like, oh, God, thou art God, and you know I like. No, I wasn't going to lie to God. God knows when you don't like somebody. It's not like I go, really? You don't like them? So I just thought I'd tell God and let him know because he already knew I didn't like him. But I said, okay, God, I'll do it. When I went to help him, I saw a different side of him than I saw in the academic arena. And actually, I began to have compassion on him because I knew a lot of people didn't like him. But then I thought most people didn't know him because he repelled people. Just, I mean, literally, the guy walked like a duck. I mean, there just wasn't a lot about him that you're going to look and go, I want to be around him. He's got cool all over him. No, you didn't want to be. So, so, but what I realized was I was measuring somebody by my own opinion instead of realizing that we need to see everybody through the lens of Jesus Christ. Is it easy? Not even a little bit. But if we want to close the gap between not and much or little and much, less and more, these are principles we have to live by. The Bible says love your neighbors, you love yourself. If you don't love you, you're never going to love anybody else. I'll say this over and over the rest of my life. I have to learn to love me. And, and there are things about me I don't love, and, and I'm, I'm okay with that now. Used to, I, you, I would avoid the things that I thought I didn't like about me or didn't love about me and act like they didn't exist. And then I would measure those things against the, all the great things that I possessed. And I had to realize there were things about me that needed change that nobody could change but me. I realize that every day today. There are things about me that I can change you cannot change. And that if I will be honest and real, I can close the gap between the things I don't like and the things I do want and do like. But I have to realize, I have to focus and go, you know what? More of him, less of me. That's what John the Baptist, I must decrease, he must increase. In, in other words, I have to realize the things in my life that are going to hold me back from the more that he has for my life. Most of us look at life in one single dimension, and that is heaven and hell, am I, where am I going? That's how most of us look at it. And then we start living our life in a way that we think will keep us out of hell and get us to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. I hate to disappoint those of you goody-two-shoe people. That you just know you're going because His grace, His mercy, and your wonderful behavior, you're going to heaven. 
you have nothing to do with that except accepting him. Now, I, you should be nice, but the reality is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He can't take away the salvation that Jesus purchased when you give your life to him. This has been the debate for years. Why does a good God send anybody to hell? My defense is he doesn't. People choose hell. And if that be the case, go make sure you have plenty of marshmallows, graham crackers, and Hershey bars. There will be s'more in hell, but not more in hell. Okay, so the reality is that we all live our lives in such a way where I'm working toward. This is not about eternity. I'm talking about life on earth. I'm talking about an abundant life that's already been paid for, taken care of, and that when you live life below that standard, it's a little bit, I'm going to be strong here, it's kind of making a mockery of our Father who's already promised, see, I'll bless you in the city, I'll bless you in the country, I'll bless you coming in, I'll bless you going out, I'll make you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven he said, if you just believe and obey me, he said, this is not, I'm, I've got stuff for you you cannot imagine. And yet when you have a problem, guess what happens? You focus on the problem, which is the less than, and you exchange it for the more than, that God said, I'll meet every need you have according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm trying. Because I want, I want to close the gap. I, I want us to realize that, that God is a good God. I was spending the day with I, one of my, there were two guys that have, have impacted my life, so many lives, and, and they're both probably controversial. One of them, who I love dearly, was Oral Roberts, and I had the privilege of, of spending a day with him privately. And, uh, you know, he was built, you know, he had a 900-foot Jesus, and he saw this and, all, you know, all that. People had measured oral in a totally wrong way. He just had faith, and he just opened his mouth and believed God, prayed for tons of people, and tons of people were healed. And, and you cannot like his style, but let me tell you, when God touches your life and uses somebody that closes the gap between less and more, it changes your life. And I said, what were, what were the hardest things? And, and he didn't say building a university, building a city of faith. Those were not the hard things. He said, Mark, he said, when I started preaching and I put these words and on television, God is a good God, he said, I got so much critical mail by simply saying God is a good God. You see, because people have this idea of God that he is waiting to smite you, smack you, punish you, and that's not God at all. But our perception of God or how we perceive him will be the level that we receive from him is how we perceive him so I can't receive from God unless I perceive God to be a good God I'll never get anything good from God because I don't perceive that and so I grew up believing that God was just waiting to punish me for the wrong things that I did and, and that that he was just waiting and reality is the devil wants to steal your joy he wants to steal your peace and the reason he wants to steal your joy is because the joy of the Lord is our strength so if he gets your joy he gets your strength so, man, I don't have any peace. Well, where's your mind? He said he'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him because they trust in him. You don't get peace because you're good. You get peace because you're focused. And when your mind starts getting off on the things that you have no control over, people that don't like you, people that talk about you, you will lose your peace. You see, I, we all have this, this little, there's so much to our sin nature. 
We all like approval. We all want people to like us. We all want people to approve of us. We all want people to think we're awesome and that and a bag of chips and all the other stuff. When in reality, I only care about really what God thinks. Now, it doesn't mean I don't respect you or other people. But if I live my life for you to like me, I will be miserable my entire life. I mean, listen, we have to realize that in order to close that gap, we have to be strategic with our words, strategic with our relationships. Both of those things are critical. He who walks with a wise grows wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. Now, in, in my particular world, I just recently had a conversation with a family member, and uh, he and I, have, have we grew up together my dad's family has 12 had 12 in it he has one sibling i think that's still alive there's so many of us we can't even count i wouldn't know my cousins if they walked in but i i realized that that you know there there were a lot of us and so this one particular family member was really kind of talking trash about me and you know i'm a pretty good defender of me or i used to be but I realized that there was a time in the Bible when Jesus was accused, falsely accused, and the Bible says he didn't open his mouth. Do you know how difficult that is for a person like me? I've always got a response. And oftentimes, it's not a real godly one. So, I, I mean, I have to really guard my mouth and heart. Above all things, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so you, you may have a defense. There may be something you want to say. But I finally told this person, I said, you know, I've distanced myself from you because I got other family members calling me saying what you're talking about me. And I said, I love you. I forgive you, but I'm not going to be around you. And he said, that's just so tacky. No, because I want to close the gap. See, the more I listen to that, the less I'm thinking about God. And some of y'all listen to everybody's gossip. As a matter of fact, it's no longer the prayer chain. It's the prayer chain gang. There are churches out there going, I want to be on the prayer team. I want, to, I want to be in the know. I want to be a part of the gang. You, you ain't praying for nobody. Oh, I didn't know that. Let's talk about that. And you talk about everything they're doing, and then you go, okay, Lord, we give it to you. Really? You give too much time to the problem and not enough time to the God, too much to the less and not enough to the more. And so I just had this conversation last week. I said, look. I'm not mad at you. I forgive you. I don't have anything to say. And when I was told about it, I didn't even defend myself. I just went, wow. I didn't know you thought that lowly of me. And I could smile and not care. Boy, that's Holy Ghost right there. Because I grew up in the country. We handled our issues on the back 40. And some of y'all, you're just city slickers and you just and community people. And your biggest trouble is you don't have a high enough privacy fence. But we all have an upbringing. We all have a background. And, and my mama used to say, people are a victim of their environment. And there's some truth to that. We, we do have to deal with with our environment, our culture, if you grew up in a negative home, if you grew up with people who gossiped, if, if you grew up with people who were always doubtful and negative. And, you know, I had one cousin that 
my mama is my one of my mom's is an older cousin my mom used to talk to every time she called my mama would tell me she always talked about some ailment that she had they would talk for 30 minutes I don't want to hear how many ailments you have that's why I hate social media some people like they just plaster and I'm going oh Jesus go tell somebody else who might care it's like Look, we don't need to go over the litany of problems you're having. That's the less than. We need to lift up the God who is more than and can address the list of problems that you're talking about. You want to know why you're not happy? You're afraid of butter being $7 a pound. I read that recently, and we go, oh, God, take the prices down. No, no, God, we lift you up, take our budget up. I don't care about the prices. You're the God of more than enough. You will never leave me, forsake me. You'll never let me do without You'll meet every need I have according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We have to focus on the God who's more than enough. We're looking to other people, looking to circumstances to change. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to change my circumstances. And it's going to begin with the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth. But if you're not careful, you'll become complacent. And this is when I talk about this. And I think about this. It frightens me. I, I'm older now. I'm never going to be old. I'm going to be older. But I'm never going to be old. When I think about this, I'm thinking, people, are, are you ever going to retire? I can't retire. I, I mean, I mean, I, even if I'm not preaching, I'll be serving somewhere. I can't do that. I can't imagine, and some of you are thinking about this, waking up every day, having a cup of coffee, and looking out on land, and that's your day. And you wonder why people are dying? You were born with purpose. We were born with purpose. We got to be helping somebody. Serving. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And the most fulfilling thing in life is making other people or helping other people have the life they want. I'm trying, Lord. Right now, help me like them. You see, everybody wants, it's like the dream is to do nothing. I get to wake up and do nothing. No, you're waking up and you're dying rapidly. You weren't born to do nothing. We were born to do something. The less than is, if I can do less, that's going to make my life wonderful. No, no, no. When you do more because you serve a God who's more, it makes your life wonderful. So some of you older people need to live long enough for me to keep this up. You know, we got a government who's given our kids everything for free. Here, we're passing out money we don't have. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah, pay for my flat screen, my phone, my food. Isn't the government wonderful? No, they own you. It's the sloppiest thing that's ever happened in our life was all this funding. I don't know how many of you watch it, but we just keep going trillions. We would be in prison if we owed as much money as our government owed a long time ago. And it's amazing that that a part of the world bought into this being the greatest thing that ever happened. I got a $2,500 check in the mail. Who paid for that? I did. 
You did. <laughs> you think you're getting free money? No, you paid for that. See, the, the idea is that if I could just do less, that is humanity, that's our flesh, instead of saying, if I could just do more. God, if you could just help me do more. What am I doing with my life? See, most of the time we're waiting on God to bail us out. God's not a bail bondsman. The only time we talk to him is when we're incarcerated by our own stupidity. God, could you come and bail me out? I did it again. That's not, that's not more than. That's, that's desperation. That's less than. You get to choose your life. You get to choose how you approach God. But don't let your destiny wither up and die inside you. I have more passion now than I think I've ever had, but I have hopefully more wisdom than I've ever had. I've learned when to shut up sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time. Every now and then I, I get a whole lot of Mark Crow and I just go, oh, oh. It's <laughs> sour, man. Give me some sweet Jesus, you know, <laughs> some sweet Jesus. Once upon a time, there was a person named Alex who harbored grand dreams and aspirations. However, as life unfolded with its challenges and setbacks, Alex found himself settling for a mundane job and a routine that fell far short of his initial ambitions. Despite the lingering dissatisfaction, fear of failure, and comfort in familiarity, kept him anchored in a life that felt like a compromise. As the years passed, the spark of those once vibrant dreams grew dim. And Alex discovered the bittersweet comfort of settling for less. Now, if I was preaching to the next generation, a bunch of young people that were not married, I'd say be very careful about what you fall for. I mean, it is amazing that if, if, if one person pays attention to you, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm somebody. You were somebody before they paid attention to you. You don't need somebody to tell you how wonderful you are, though that's a good thing to do. You already know how wonderful you are. You know that God loves you, that you're the apple of his eye, that he'll never leave you and never forsake you, and that we're looking for approval. I remember I used to, after when I first started preaching, I always wanted somebody to tell me how good it was. Not only did I want it, I asked for it. What'd you think? After some people were honest, I quit asking. <laughs> I thought, I don't think I need to know. <laughs> there were some sermons I thought, I think I'm going to quit. That really was pitiful. And, and so you have to deal with all those things. And, and so I would have to close the gap and say, this is not about how good or bad. This is about what I, I'm doing, what God called me to do. And, 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 and that's just it. I just, I got to do it. If there are five people, 500, 5,000, it doesn't matter. What I have to realize to close the gap between less and more is my obedience to him. There are things God will ask us to do, want us to do, and it's the purpose for which you were put on earth. 
And the joy that comes is not with your approval, but with your obedience to the one who made you. I'm going to come back to Oklahoma City. Come on, man. I've traveled the world. Nobody says, before I die, I've got to go to Oklahoma City. I mean, I, they got Bricktown. You know, I'm not, I mean, I love the people here. I mean, you're not going to snow ski here. <laughs> We're almost as flat as Kansas. I mean, all you got to do, if you go to Missouri and you look over, you want to see Colorado, just go to Missouri and look across Kansas. I mean, it's like, it's like we have to do what God says. And so when I came back, it was like, it's just now I realize it's just obedience. It's all it is. And less became more because this is God's place. When you're in God's place, there will always be more than enough. When you're out of God's place, there will probably be always less than enough. See, because we've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. If life was my own, I would be living on an island in the Caribbean. Yeah, man. Now, when I say that, that still might happen. Who knows? We might have a, a mosaic, Caribbean mosaic. Yeah, you're clapping now because they're like, that's me more than enough. But too often, rather than looking at what's possible, we talk about what seems impossible. And with God, nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. And so, if you really want to close the gap, do a measurement in your life of how much joy do I have? Why don't I have joy? How much peace do I possess? Why don't I have peace? Why do I always feel depressed? I've been depressed, okay? So I'm not knocking anybody who's depressed, been there, done that. It's a hard life to live. And it comes very subtly when you realize you start focusing on what you don't have instead of who you do have. I'm not respected the way I want. I'm not loved the way I want. I don't have the things I want. Why don't I get promoted? Why does somebody get promoted above me? Why does somebody else get all the attention? Those are all less than thoughts. They're infectious to your soul. And the antibiotic to all of those things is the word of God that attacks those. And there are infections in our soul that make us sick, depressed, downcast. It's real easy for me. If I really wanted to get in the funk for really quick, I could do it in five minutes. On a good day, I could do it in one. All I have to do is think about losses. I have to think about people who hate me. I have to think about people who talk about me. And, and you know, I'm, it doesn't bother me. If you talk about me, you're wasting your time. Talk about somebody who cares. I'm not one who does. I know who I am. I know my life. I know my God. And those of you who get entangled with gossip, it is probably the worst thing you can do. Because, and you know what? People don't want your opinion. I've said it. They don't want your opinion. If they do, they'll ask for it. Be cautious to give it because it could be dumb. I know. It's just important to me, and maybe because I am getting older, that I realize how valuable life really is, how valuable every day is. Don't forfeit one day living less than. And living less than is living outside the joy 
the peace of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. Give grace, you get grace. Give love, you get love. It's whatever you sow, you reap. You can close the gap on your worst day by simply applying the word of God to your life. Simply applying the word of God to your life. And you have to be careful. People say, I hate, I hate, I hate. I don't like the word hate because it's such a strong word. And you can say, the only thing I would say is if you hate sin, that's great. That's awesome. But to hate somebody or hate what somebody else does becomes infectious, infection in your soul. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't do what you like. But like Jesus, hanging on the cross, totally innocent man, looks down and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So you want to be more like Jesus? You want to be more like Jesus? That's what we do. That's what we have to do to have more of him is less of our hatred, less of our arrogance, less of those things that hold us back from our destiny. This Christmas, it's not about the, the gifts and all that. Matter of fact, I don't even, and I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm not saying, I, there's nothing I want. And, and it's a wonderful place to live. And wonderful place to be. I'm thankful for everything I have. I'm thankful for the kindness of so many people. But the reality is my, my joy does not rest on what you do. It rests on what he's already done. And I know what he's going to do. And some of you are looking for somebody else to make your life wonderful. It won't be wonderful very long. Because it's human to human. Let God make your life wonderful. And if everybody around you is miserable, don't buy in. Don't buy in. You get to choose. I've heard people say this for years. You make me mad. Well, if you make me mad, that means you control my life. I'm not going to let you control my life. So if I do get mad, you don't make me mad. I chose to be mad. And I can deal with Mark Crow. I can change me. I can't change you. I can change me. See, nobody around you is the problem. We are the problem for receiving what somebody else wants, to, wants us to receive that will hurt us. So I, I choose to not allow those things to land in my soul. Sometimes every now and then one dart will get stuck, and I have to pluck it out and go, God, forgive me, because I can't love someone that I felt like hurt me, and I want to love them, so I have to get that dart, that word, that gossip, that whatever it is. I have to get that out of me. You can't get it out of me. Only I can. And so my life can be wonderful because I choose for it to be wonderful. One of the greatest stories I ever read in college, of everything I read, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who was part of the Holocaust. And he made it out alive, but every day he's watching his family, his loved ones be killed. And he got out because he kept his focus in the right place on the God who was more than enough changed my life when I realized I thought how could one man see everything he saw and come out of that concentration camp and write a book man's search for meaning see you have a purpose for being here God has a plan for your life some of you never even accessed that some of you didn't even know God had a plan for your life I didn't know I got radically saved when I was 20 years old and I didn't even know he had purpose I just knew that I loved him and I accepted him and I found out God had a plan for my life that I never knew was there 
God has a plan for your life, and you may not know, and I challenge you, if you want more of God, this is not about how good you are, being perfect. This is about how much you want God, how much you want what God has for you. Press into God. Like I said, I, this year my number one thing in 2024 more was I want more of God. That was my number one thing I wrote down. I want more of God. And I said, well, how do I get that? And it was simple. It was just simply time. God, I'm going to give you more time. If I give you time, I'll get more of you. Not if I give you more preaching. Not if I give people, I, I need more of you. I need to give you my time. When Jesus looked at the disciples, could you not tarry with me for one hour? He said, could you just not give me a little time? Give me a little time. Give God opportunity. Don't press. Always fight and feel like you got to press through and change circumstances and change people's lives. Change your life. And then whatever you have to walk through, you won't have to press. You'll walk it out because you put your trust and faith in God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your incredible patience with us. Thank you for your unconditional love for us. Thank you for your extreme joy that brings strength to our lives. God, I pray that in a season where things are wonderful for one group of people, miserable for other groups of people, Jesus, that you would become the focal point of this season. A season where there are so many emotions and so many things going on. May we love. May we forgive. May we be kind. May we realize we're created in your image and likeness and not try to create other people in our image and likeness. We want to let you be God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us all to pray this prayer. Pray it with those who have never prayed it. July 17, 1977, on a Sunday morning in a little bitty country church, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and it's a birthday that is important, as important to me as my natural birthday. It's a day I will never forget. It's a day that reminds me of the God of more than enough. I left a life that was empty and less than for a God who was full and more than. Celebrate today your salvation. If you've yet to receive Christ, let today be that day. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, Thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name. And I declare today I am a child of yours. I am born again. Amen. If you prayed that prayer watching online, I want to ask you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED. Fill out the, the information there. We will be praying for you. Those in-house, in just a moment, our prayer team will be to the left of the stage. While everybody else is exiting, I'd like to challenge you to go over to one of our prayer team members and say, Today I gave my life to Jesus. Would you be praying for me? They will not do anything weird. They'll just be happy and pray for you. If you want to receive communion, you can do that at the same time. Uh, if you just want to go receive it, and that's great. Serve yourself or you can be served. It's over to my left. At this time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. Um, let me say this carefully. Any of you that have known, 
that known me for any period of time know that I'm not a beggar, nor am I an arm twister. But I also know that uh, in a church world that we have to stay fresh in more ways than I would like to. In other words, I wish we could just all come and rally around Jesus, and that would be wonderful. But I also know that we're trying to reach an audience online, and that's important that we keep that attention. So we're going to be redoing our stage, and we haven't done it in years since before COVID. And uh, we're going to be redoing it uh, starting a week from Monday, I believe. And uh, it's a pretty big ticket. It's going to be a wonderful. If you were here at Easter and you saw Jesus coming on the, the screen up here and all that, we will have that kind of video wall and that capacity to do some things that will enhance what's being spoken. Now, with that said, we have one person in this church that told me, I met with him, he said, hey, for every dollar that is given toward this project, I'll match it. He said, if it's 40000 I'll give forty. If it's twenty, I'll give twenty. So all we have to do is get just a little bit more, and he's going to match every dollar that comes in. Now, with that said, there's no pressure. I don't want this to be a, a distraction from anything that's happened today. I share it with you only to let you know that I believe it's very important that we make this step. God gave me a burst of faith about a week ago, and we're doing this. We're just going to do it, and we're going to write the check, and we're going to do it. So it's not like if you don't give, we're not doing it. We're doing it, but if you see me at Walmart passing out flyers, you'll know we didn't get enough. Anyway, so <laughs> anyway, uh, so you can do it the standard way. You can give uh, by texting. You can give it that way. Uh, put a note on there if you need to or call the church and say, I want to give toward the project, and here's how much. That way we'll know how much to tell him that has come in. But if you're just giving your tithe today, you can put your, your phone on the QR code. It'll take you to a giving platform, or you can text the word GIVE to 405-500-1310. And uh, it will direct it uh, to that, or I'm sorry, 405-546-2226 is the giving. Text GIVE to 405-546-2226, okay? And you can give uh, on your way out. You can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, Oklahoma City, 73132. Or you can also go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give. Very simple. And I want to thank all of you for your faithfulness to give. Those of you who do, those of you who even want to, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the left of the stage right now. If this is your first time here, we have just a little small gift for you at the welcome kiosk. Take it home, use it, whatever. Um, give it away. We don't care. We just, we just want you to know we're glad you came. Not much, but it says thank you for being here. Um, and if you want to get on my call, you can text the word call to 405-500-1310. Every Wednesday night, I do this call. It's just a moment of inspiration, hopefully uplifting for you. Uh, it's less than two minutes because that's when it cuts off. They must have known preachers were going to use it. And uh, so anyway, you want on that call, you can just text the word call to 405-500-1310. If you want to serve, text the word serve, fill out the template on that, and uh, we'll get back to you, and you can serve. We'll call you and get you plugged in, all right? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.